Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Hook, Line, and Splitter is presented by NJR Home Services. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, Episode 3, presented by NJR Home Services. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Greg Jambarisi. Welcome back to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast, presented by NJR Home Services. From warm-ups to cool-downs, we're always there for you and your home. Visit njrhomeservices.com. So we are between Blue Claws homestands right now. Homestand 1, May 4th through the 9th against Hudson Valley. Homestand 2, first games for Jersey Shore against the Southern Division team, the Winston-Salem Dash. White Sox affiliates will be in town uh, next week. Blue Claws currently on the road there in Wilmington, North Carolina for a six-game series against the Washington Nationals affiliate, the Wilmington Blue Rocks. Actually, it's the shortest trip the Blue Claws have ever made from a home game from here down to a road game, only 95 miles. It will be bested about 63 miles when they go to Brooklyn in a few weeks. But episode three, we wanted to bring on Blue Claws catcher Logan Ohapi. Long Island native uh, is Logan. Learned something here. I did not realize his father grew up in wool. So he says he's been loving uh, pork or leg and cheese sandwiches since he was uh, since he was a young kid. He'd been coming down here to the Jersey Shore. Never been to a Blue Claws game, though, until he played in one. On opening night, May the 4th, against Hudson Valley. And in that game, he had a home run. He had a good start to his season, home run on opening night. He also, uh, we talk about this in a little in a little while, he threw out a runner stealing from one knee. Uh, it's been a, a crazy year for him because, you know, last year, you know, February of 2020, he was probably getting ready to come here to play for the Lakewood Blue Claws, what would have been low A in the Sally League. And then later in the year, he ends up in Allentown working with uh, a lot of big league guys at the alternate site. And then uh, and he goes to big league camp again in 2021. And now, of course, here with Jersey Shore and the Blue Claws. So Logan was a great guest. Uh, we appreciate him joining us for a few minutes. Uh, I think you'll you'll really enjoy looking uh, listening to Logan Ohapi, our next guest. It's Hook, Line, and Splitter, Episode 3, presented by NJR Home Services. Here's Logan Ohapi. Our guest this morning is Blue Claws catcher Logan O'Hoppy, who joins us from uh, Delaware Blue Claws in Wilmington for the week. Logan, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Greg. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you start the season, hit a home run on opening night. I guess it doesn't get too much better than that, right? <laughs> it does not. Now the family was there, too, so it was, uh, it was a good night. How many uh, folks did you have in town? I'm not sure how many exactly. Uh, my dad grew up in Wall Township, so... Obviously not too far, so all of his uh, all of his friends were there, and family friends, and aunts and uncles, and all that stuff. Everyone was uh, was there, and super happy they got to come, and hopefully will continue to come as the summer goes on. So, did you vacation down here when you were younger? Did you spend a lot of time around the shore? Used to come down here a lot. Yeah, we used to go to the shore in the summer um, whenever we had an off from baseball. But uh, but yeah, I've been been crushing pork roll and cheeses for for quite some time now. Had, have you, had you ever been to a Blue Claws game? Have not. Have not, no. Before you played in one, yeah. Yeah, I have not. So what was the last year like? Obviously, probably February of 2020, 
you're getting ready to go to Florida, you're in Florida, and you're thinking you're going to come here to play in, in low A and maybe get, you know, get up to Clearwater during the summer. Obviously, it's a lot different. Um, you end up in, in Lehigh Valley at the alternate site. What, what was everything like for you last summer? Um, it was a roller coaster. I didn't think that um, I was going to have the chance to have a little bit of a season, but um, luckily I did, and, and it was a great experience. It was the three months out there, one in Philly and then two in, in Lehigh Valley, and I learned a ton, and, um, and I'm super grateful that I got to have that opportunity. And then you had a lot of time in, in big league camp this year, you're, you know, young, young player. What was that experience like? You're probably one of, if not the youngest player in big league camp. Yeah. Similar to the alternate side, it was, it was a great experience and a ton of learning went on there. Um, and you're around the best of the best. So trying to squeeze out as much information to those guys as you can and, um, and really just cherish the the time you have with them is, is something that I really tried to do. And, and luckily that, I was able to do so. Um, I got a lot out of not only last summer, but but this past month or two in big league camp as well. Who was a was there a bit, who was a big league player that kind of helped you out or you look up to, took you under your wing a little bit? Um, the name that sticks out to me was Brad Miller. He always gave me the time of day and went out of his way to say hello and um, really treated me like like one of them. So he was um, he was definitely the one that made me feel the most welcome and. Brad's one of the best dudes that in baseball, I think. What was, uh, how much interaction did you get with, um, with Joe Girardi? Obviously, you know, guy who's been a big league manager for a decade. Um, you know, he's won world series and he was a catcher like yourself. Yeah. I grabbed a ton of information from him. Um, tried to not bug him too much. I knew, knew he has a big job to do, but, uh, but yeah, whenever I had my chance to, to get in and play, I tried to pick his brain as much as I could and um, just analyze stuff and, and how how he operates and how he sees the game is something that I try to take advantage of. And um, again, it's one of those moments that, that you don't take for granted. Last week in, um, I think it was Friday, Thursday or Friday, you threw a, a base dealer out from one knee. Not an easy throw, put it right in the bag and Guzman tagged him out. Is that a throw that you've been, working on that it just kind of developed based on the pitch. I know the pitch was, at the break, I think it was a breaking ball down and outside to a right-handed batter. So you're kind of in that position anyway, but what about that throw? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something that um, I, I've actually talked about a lot with Bob Stumpo, our uh, big league catching coach. And we talk all, all over the winter and, and especially in big league camp, just mixing that in because that pitch is a tough pitch to throw on. So, um, if you have that in your back pocket, then it, it definitely makes life a lot easier. So it was one of those things. It's not, I'm not, I'm not planning to do it, but it's more of just, um, responding to, to where the pitch is at and, and what's given to me and, and what I can do with that. Now you, you guys are really catchers are really in a tough spot this year with, because of this, this league, because of the adjusted pickoff rule where the pitcher has to step back over the mound. We've, we've seen a few of these runners just get, big jump so far this year. Is that something you've noticed um, behind the plate? And uh, you, you've stolen a base or two. So, uh, you know, is it that does it make that big a difference? Um, I, I've noticed the difference as far as just them making the move because um, it is a, it's a much tougher move to make. But our guys are doing great. It's a work in progress. And I think that our guys are doing a good job of not dwelling on the fact that the rule has changed and they're trying to put their head down and, and work on it. So, um, it's a work in progress and, and Matt Hockenberry, our pitching coach is doing a great job in, in all aspects with, with our staff, but especially that one, he's doing a real good job with, with taking through it and really working on it and being patient with it. So 
um, to answer your question, no, I haven't seen a huge difference with the uh, jumps that guys have gotten, but, um, but, but it's definitely something that is, that has popped out to me. Australia with tank a couple of years ago. What do you remember? <laughs> We'd be here all day if I told you <laughs> that, but, uh, but no tank is, is the best of the best. Um, he's just a real, real good human and someone that you always want to be around. He gets it. And, um, and th when I heard that I was going to get to play for him again, I was, I was pretty elated. So, um, another, I, I feel like a broken record. I keep repeating it, but it, it's just moments that you don't take for granted with him. And, um, you always try to squeeze as much out of you can, uh, as much out of his brain as you can, excuse me. And, um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to playing with him for the rest of the summer. What, uh, culture shock or what kind of struck you when you got to Australia, you know, from being from the Northeast up here? <laughs> How laid back everyone was, man. Up north, oh. everyone, everyone's moving quick and everyone's got a place to be in Australia. It's laid back and you're just hanging out with your with your coffee and, and just going through the day. So that was a little bit of an adjustment, believe it or not, because I feel I, I'm definitely the kind of person that needs a schedule and needs a place to be. So once I got adjusted to that, it was it was a pretty good time. What's your, what was your favorite Australian food? There was this place called the Ramsgate. Um, it's like a pub down by one of the beaches there, and they had um, chicken schnitzel. And the one I got was called the Kilpatrick, and it's barbecue sauce and uh, mozzarella cheese melted on the top. And that was my favorite meal there, no doubt. We'll have more with Logan O'Hoppy in a moment. Just wanted to let you know that Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast, is presented by NJR Home Services. From warm-ups to cool-downs, we're always there for you and your home. That's NJR Home Services. Visit njrhomeservices.com. East Carolina, you had committed there. How close were you to going? What went into the process after you got drafted and then ultimately led you to sign? Yeah, I was real close to going. It was my dream school. Um, growing up, my dad had went there. He didn't play there, um, but it was my dream school because I knew about it and and always went down there and, and fell in love with it at a, at a young age. Um, and I was set on school on draft day, actually. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to school and and hopefully be there for three years and not four. And my name was called in the draft and a switch flipped in my head. And I was like, this is this pro ball has been my dream since I'm one or two years old. So. I have to hop on it, and um, and I'm so glad I made that decision because now I have seen what pro ball is like, and I knew that this is what I've really wanted to do since I was younger. So, um, not a whole lot went into <laughs> went into that decision being flipped. It was one of those things where a moment happens, and and you just think, yeah, I gotta I gotta go do this, and I'm really glad I did. How were you following the draft? Were you, were you guys all sitting there watching, or did did you expect your name to be called? We were, yeah. I, I was talking to my agent and different scouts, and we had a couple people over and just hanging out with the uh, with the drafts on the TV. And um, my name was called, and and I still don't forget it. Never will. And it would have been a shame if you didn't sign because then you would be that would be you'd be breaking up the string of Long Islanders that have that the Phillies have had over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you're close with Ben Brown. You have Vito Frischia here. Uh, as well, the Phillies had Kyle Young, uh, Nick Fanny's still around, um, and there was a guy named Willie Carmona who played at, at Stony Brook. What about all these Long Island guys with the Phillies? 
Yeah, we just got a new one too. His name's a new one, <laughs> but a new guy too. His name's Corey Fallon. Um, he signed with us in the summer. So, and another one to the mix, but it's great. I think that three guys, three Long Island guys on one team is is super, super special. And um, it's just fun to be around them, man. Like, like people get to see what Long Island is like, but it is funny because I think that all three of us, we're all five or six of us now we're all so different so like you can't look at us and be like yeah that's what long island is like everyone's everyone's different and got their own thing so um but yeah to answer your question it's it's really really cool i don't spend a whole lot of time with with Vito um in the off season because he lives closer to the city so he's a bit far from me but he's my roommate now so i'm spending plenty of time with him um but yeah it's been real fun did uh were, did you play against ben in high school uh, we had a non-league game, so like a, a scrimmage against his high school, and um, he didn't pitch, but um, I played against his team, but not not him personally. Did you know, um, like Nick Fanny, Kyle Young, those guys? I know they're a couple years older. I did know them. I played against Kyle actually my sophomore year of high school. He was a senior. Um, he pitched against us, and um, at the time he was he was the guy on Long Island. He's the tall lefty that that threw hard and you know, was the guy that was going to, was going to sign. So that was really cool. Once I got to play with him and, and get to know him because I had only known him just playing against him. But, um, and then Nick, I didn't, I knew of and saw him around at workouts and stuff like that. And, and ended up getting really close to them. Me, Nick and Corey train at the same place in the winter building performance. Um, so I spend a lot, a lot of time with those guys and a lot of laughs and, and good work goes into that. But, um, but yeah. You know, and uh, Sal Agostinelli's out there from the <laughs> yeah. from the Phillies. I remember talking to Nick's yeah. dad. Nick threw a no hitter. Well, he threw two, but after the first no hitter, he threw in two, 2017. Um, his father told me that Sal called him up like during the game, and they they watched the end of it, uh, like on the phone and everything. So yeah, Sal, you know, Sal knows all you guys too, right? Oh uh, yeah, Sal knows all of us real well. Sal and you know our our dads too are real close, and. Uh, yeah, Sal. Is anyone that knows Sal knows what you're getting into. Sal is, has a heart of gold. Great guy. Um, Yankees or Mets growing up? I was a Yankee fan growing up. So, uh, did you watch? Do you remember Girardi? Not probably not playing, but do you remember him managing? You must have, right? Real well, yes, sir. Yeah. Did you tell him that in spring training? I uh, did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> who was your Who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, oh, Derek. Okay, Derek. Okay. Mm-hmm. pretty pretty generic <laughs> yeah that's fine when did you start uh when did you start catching were you always catcher no i started catching when i was nine so i've always been catching at at a higher level but um i've been swinging a bat playing baseball since i was two years old i think my mom's got pictures of me in the backyard but uh but yeah i've been catching since i was nine and i fell in love with it at a young age so i'm gonna stick with it smart move very smart move nobody <laughs> wanted to do it bro <laughs> back then when you were nine it was a great move sure. Who's a who's a Phillies coach uh, in the system, minor league, major league, whatever that um, that you kind of looked up to and you kind of felt is taking you under your wing as as you try to develop as a player. Both Bob Stump and Greg Brzezinski are two catch guys. Um, I talk to those guys a ton, and they've been great with me and and always answer me back and and give me good feedback and are always real with me too. So um, those two guys definitely have have helped me out more than they know and and. I'll hopefully continue to pick their brain and keep bugging them a little bit. And then lastly, you have uh, a, 
you know, every, every catcher has a tough job because you got to learn, you know, typically 12, 13 pitchers and try to manage different guys, different styles, different personalities through these games. You have 18 pitchers here uh, with you right now. How has that been? And, you know, what kind of preparation do you try to do on a daily basis and on a weekly basis, just to try to make sure that you have, that you treat every pitcher as you call these games and try to lead them through the games, you know, um, you know, you have your individual battle plans for each guy. Um, to be honest with you, Greg, it's not as hard as you would think because we all, every dude in our staff is a really, really good dude. Um, and that makes everybody's life easier. So luckily we got such a great group of guys and really easy to work with. Um, but in particular, we'll have meetings every day, just how, how we did as a staff and, um, and things like that. And we'll bounce feedback off guys and, um, talking to guys around the clubhouse is how I like to learn personalities and, and feel guys out. And some guys, you can say some certain things and some guys just got to shut your mouth and, and eat your lunch. But, uh, but yeah, it's been great. And we've, we've learned about the staff pretty quickly, I think. And we've come together as a group pretty quickly as well. So I'm going to continue to ride with that. And I think it's something that you'll never figure out, but you'll never have down that. But, um, but we've really got off to a real good start as far as working with them goes. You got a few guys that can really bring it there. Ben, we know Zabala throws pretty hard. Sullivan looked like he was he was throwing pretty hard too. So you're on you gotta be on your toes. Got some heat coming out of the pen. And uh <laughs> luckily Hawk has been uh has been great with with working with with all of us and um keeping us composed and trying to get the best out of us. Logan, thank you so much for a few minutes. We really appreciate it. Continued success. Good luck this week. See you next week here back at, thank you. at the Jersey Shore. Appreciate it. That was Blue Claws catcher Logan Ohapi, our guest on episode three of Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services. From warm-ups to cool-downs, we're always there for you and your home. Visit njrhomeservices.com. Blue Claws are back home next week, Tuesday, May 18th. Uh, we'll give you a quick rundown of this upcoming homestand. Winston-Salem's in town, the Dash Obviously, the first meeting ever between the Blue Claws and Winston-Salem. They had been in the high A Carolina League for the last few seasons. So the Blue Claws have played, of course, the White Sox many times. Kannapolis, uh, the Intimidators, has been the White Sox affiliate since 2001. Always fun, those series, because it's a, there's a little history involved there. Kannapolis uh, had been where the Phillies played from 96 through 2000. And then when the Phillies moved up here to become the Blue Claws, Kannapolis rebranded, became the Intimidators, and now they are uh, the Kannapolis Cannonballers. They rebranded again. They moved into a new stadium. But uh, there have been uh, the first Blue Claws game ever played was down in Kannapolis against the Intimidators in April of 2001, uh, a week before the, the first Blue Claws home game, which was April 11th of 2001. We talked about that one with Greg Legg in episode one of Hook, Line, and Splitter. So let's run through this homestand. Winston-Salem comes to town Tuesday, the 18th. Uh, Silver Sluggers Tuesday, presented by Bartley Healthcare. Uh, for more information on that, you're going to go to blueclaws.com or call Joel, 732-901-7000, extension 143. May 19th, White Claw Wednesday, $5 White Claws available concourse-wide. May 20th is Thirsty Thursday in the all-new Blue Claw Sandbar. $2 cores and Coors Light cans in the Sandbar and Concourse wide while you enjoy the game. Thirsty Thursday club members 
Get 10 undated Thursday vouchers and save 50% off the walk-up price. Friday, May 21st, 705 Irish Heritage Night, presented by New Jersey Natural Gas. First 1,500 fans get a Blue Claws Irish cap. Live music from the Snakes in the Blue Claws Sandbar, 615 to 830, and additional fun uh, as well, post-game fireworks too. Saturday the 22nd, 4.05, late afternoon matinee. Blue Claws in the dash. It's the final 4.05 p.m. game of the season. And then Sunday, May 23rd, 1.05, Kids Eat Free, presented by Sabret. Kids Club members eat for free as they get a hot dog, bag of chips, and a soda. You can register for the Blue Claws Kids Club at blueclaws.com slash kidsclub. Blue Claws Kids Club presented by Jenkinson's Boardwalk and Sunny Day Sunshine Center. BlueClaws.com slash Kids Club for that. And also Sunday's $5, 16-ounce Michelob Ultra cans every Sunday in the Blue Claws Sandbar. And then just to run down a couple of games coming up um, into the early part of June that you're not going to want to miss, Brooklyn is in town, the Cyclones, the first-ever meeting between these two teams, June 1st through the 6th. Here at First Energy Park, June 4th is Blue Claws Pride Night. So we'll have a, a, a celebration of pride. And the first 1,500 fans get a Blue Claws Pride cap thanks to Coca-Cola. Uh, so that's Brooklyn. And then the next week, Wilmington will be here. Uh, June 11th is Girl Scout Night. June 13th is the, our Father's Day celebration with a postgame catch on the field. And then um, Red, White, and Blue Claws weekend, July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Don't want to miss that. Uh, Blue Claws in Wilmington this week. They'll be there Friday or through uh, Sunday, I should say, and then return home Tuesday night to welcome in the Winston-Salem Dash. It's a 7.05 all week, 6.05 Sunday, one oh, uh, sorry, 6.05 Saturday, one oh five afternoon matinee on Sunday to wrap up that series down there. If you want to learn more about Blue Claws manager Tank Adamson, we recommend that you listen to episode two of Hook, Line, and Splitter, where we talked to Tank. Logan gave you a little bit about Tank as well here in, in this episode, in episode three, because Logan played for him for the Adelaide Giants in the 2019 into 2020 uh, winter, uh, or winter up here. It's obviously the summer down there when they host that Australian Baseball League. So we urge you to check that one out um, as well, episode two. Be sure to like, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening for a few minutes and can't wait to welcome you back to First Energy Park for homestand number two, May 18th through 23rd against Winston-Salem next week. Thanks to Logan O'Hoppy, our guest. Thanks to our partner, NJR Home Services, for presenting uh, Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services. For warm-ups to cool-downs, we're always there for you and your home. I'm Greg Jambarisi. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Talk to you next week on Hook, Line, and Splitter. Good night.